beloved church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, most of us associate freedom with not being answerable to anyone for our choices and decisions. When we are judged by other people, it can feel like an infringement on our own freedom. People who are limited in what they do by the opinion of others feel trapped by real or imagined expectations of others and forced to behave that in, in ways that are not consistent with their own desires. And when we feel like we need to explain ourselves or to justify our choices to other people, we may feel some resentment and want to quote Jesus' words saying, judge not. It's like we're saying, leave me alone. Don't interfere in my life. I don't need your so-called help. I am free to do what I want. Even Jesus is telling you not to judge me. Now, ironically, when we conclude that others are judging and condemning us, we are, by that very fact, judging them. We put motives in the hearts of others and words in their mouths, often without even knowing the truth, and are in danger of speaking or thinking falsehood about others. Sadly, the desire to live with impunity has caused many to take Jesus' words in our text in Matthew 7 out of context. We apply the words to others, but fail to hear that he is speaking to us. As usual, Jesus' instruction is directed to each one of us, and he warns us against being selfish in our outlook on life instead of caring for the well-being of others. Rather than worry about what we look like, we have to think about what other people look like in our minds. Jesus is making us think about how we present other people to our neighbors. Through the ninth commandment, as our Lord explains it in the Sermon on the Mount, the Holy Spirit gives citizens of heaven the key to transformation and new life together as members of one body. There is a judge in heaven who knows the truth from the lie. He sees, he hears how we are speaking, and he reveals to us that we were created to be faithful to our neighbor, even with our words. When God tells us not to bear false witness against our neighbor, he reveals that the truth in God's kingdom is all about being faithful in our service to our neighbor. Guided by the Spirit, then, we learn to desire humble service instead of competition, care instead of contempt, and love for the truth instead of selfish love for our own reputation. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, Citizens of God's kingdom use their words to defend their neighbor's honor. We'll see that the Holy Spirit, through his word, leads us to see the log in our eye, to see the devil in the lie, and to see the judge on high. The Lord Jesus teaches us that the way to obeying the ninth commandment begins with understanding who we are. The picture he gives to make his point is actually quite funny. 
has become so well known that we wouldn't be surprised to hear someone who is unfamiliar with the scriptures referring to it. We can imagine a person standing there with a large piece of wood rammed in his eye socket so that she can't see anything, now coming up to us and and offering to take a little speck or a piece of sawdust out of someone else's eye. Although the citizens of the kingdom of heaven, whom Jesus is addressing, are led by the Holy Spirit to want to help others by removing the speck from their eye or by leading the blind, We need to realize, says our Lord Jesus, how often we are blinded by our own lack of self-awareness, self-righteous criticism of others that often arises from anger or envy. That's the log, that's the plank that makes people unable to judge because of their own problems. There are changes that need to happen in our own hearts and minds before we become capable of seeing clearly enough to help others with their struggles. Before we utter a word of condemnation, we need to look in a mirror. We need to remember who we are in all humility. It reminds us us of how Jesus once said, it's in John 8, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Jesus makes it clear that when you look at someone with contempt, or you belittle someone based on their differences from you, or you condemn someone rashly or unheard because you don't like them, the problem is not with the other person, first of all, with yourself. Pride and sinfulness hinder the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. They cause you to have a wrong picture of others, to be false witnesses, to cause harm rather than good with the words that you use. When your heart is filled with contempt, it causes you to see things the wrong way or perhaps not even see them at all until you repent. And until you repent, you are in no condition to help another person with your judgment. Our Lord Jesus makes it clear that you are unable to speak the truth about others until you know the truth about yourselves. Until we repent, we are like the pot that calls the kettle black, completely unaware that it has been equally blackened by the same flames underneath them both. First, we need to find peace and contentment a peace and forgiveness with God in Jesus Christ before we will be able to look after our responsibility toward our neighbor. When Jesus says, judge not, he is not contradicting the scriptures that call for judgments in different situations, but he is warning people from condemning others from selfish motives. And in Luke 6, you can see the two are closely connected. So focused on our task of serving our neighbor by bringing them to faith, to forgiveness in God, our Lord teaches us that we need to believe in Jesus Christ. We need to see his grace in our lives, how we have been forgiven by the grace of God, first of all. 
before we're able to help others. If we are trying to earn salvation for ourselves by our own conduct, you can see how that can blind us to making us more judgmental of others. We wrongly apply that same system on others. If we don't understand grace and forgiveness, our blindness to God's truth will result in more harm than good for the people we're trying to help. When blind people offer to give guidance to other blind people, they put the lives of other people in danger. Jesus said they both fall into the pit. And once we know who we are, once we understand the depth of God's grace, what it means to be forgiven and and set free in Jesus Christ, once we understand the logs that so often start coming out of our own eyes, we confess our sins to God and we receive the forgiveness, then we will be capable of spotting the devil in the lies that cause so much destruction. So the Lord calls us to see the devil in the lie. We confess in Lord's Day 43 that all lying and deceit is the devil's own works under penalty of God's heavy wrath. In John 8, our Lord Jesus calls the devil the father of all lies. And the ninth commandment helps us to understand that this includes false testimony, twisting another person's words, gossip, slander, rashly condemning or joining in condemning anyone unheard, being a part of all these diabolical actions means cooperating in the devil's destructive work in rebellion against God. Quite an association. These things that happen so often are called the devil's own works. It gives us reason for pause. And we can see how often we get played by the devil who knows about our fight against pride and against selfishness. How we use our words to elevate ourselves. The devil wants us to become unfaithful toward our brother or sister by attacking their honor and reputation. He is more than willing to use modern technology even to ensure that continues to happen. Now, though the conversation when we get home and we discuss the different ways we gossip and slander, the ways we are not true or we're we're, we're false to our neighbor as we discuss this at our homes and how we can see gossip and and slander. We could see that could take place in many different places, many different levels in our lives. And as we confess these sins before the Lord together, we'll see. This afternoon, we'll just focus specifically on the public presence on the internet as an example. The increasing availability And the far-reaching capabilities of the internet in the last 30 years have given us many more opportunities than ever before to sin against the ninth commandment. The more we learn about the impact of internet accessibility on our own hearts and our own minds, 
the more we could see the frightening capability of the tools available to the devil today to promote lies and deceit and destroy relationships between fellow human beings. The governments and companies in charge of of all news and social media, they could shape the narrative they want to be told by censoring information. And as a result, the information and the reports that we receive have become so distorted and susceptible to being twisted that we get the feeling that we never can know, can never see the whole picture. Although we live in the so-called information age, the innumerable, distinct, and often opposing narratives or worldviews formed by personalized understandings of the truth continue to divide families, nations, entire cultures. Every person ultimately lives in their own echo chamber, shaped by algorithms. And as believers, we need to see the devil in the lie and be very careful about what information we use to shape our worldview and perspective and what information we are using to judge others, whether we accept them as friends or condemn them as enemies. The sobering fact is that as these opportunities grow, so do the opportunities that each one of us has becoming an ally, the devil in the lie. Access to the internet begins at a young age, often long before we have sufficient education and appropriate wisdom to see the log in our own eyes. Since the internet and social media are full of people who are shielding their bullying, gossiping, and harmful allegations against individuals in a passive-aggressive way by making or sharing general statements that they know will be read by their intended victims, even posts that are intended to serve the general public may turn out to be harmful sins of gossip, slander, and rash condemnation. We might think that we are just thinking out loud and participating in an online discussion, but our messages may be condemning people we don't know and attacking the honor and reputation of people whose motives have never been revealed to us. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we should not be so naive as to think that the devil cannot use our very words to promote a lie. Words are rarely neutral. And the ninth commandment explained by our Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount warns us to be wise when we speak in public forums and wise when we hear the words of others. When it comes to opinions, predictions, warnings, and so-called instruction on how to live. We do well to be alert and on guard to spot lies when we read anything that has not been written by the Holy Spirit. Parents, young adults, children, how seriously do you take this threat against the truth that we sang about in Psalm 12? As friends, as families, do our conversations about the internet show that we are able to see the devil in the lies? 
Do we speak with that kind of urgency as we desire purity together? Ultimately, since citizens of the kingdom of heaven desire to do everything they can, everything they can to defend and promote their neighbor's honor and reputation, even the neighbors you don't know. Our use of social media necessarily can only be very limited. Not only in the sense of when we are sufficiently mature to use it and how much we use it, but also in the sense of what kind of material we are disseminating into the world. The internet, we all can recognize, is a marvelous tool for spreading the gospel and making God's word known to a growing number of people. Social media can be used by mature Christians as an excellent tool to give glory to God for his transforming work in our own hearts as we rejoice together in the advance of the kingdom of heaven for providing the information we need to serve one another as members of Christ's body, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep as we live in harmony with one another, as Romans 12 says. The internet is a gift when it is used with discretion. So as we think about how we speak and how we communicate and what we communicate, we pray that like we wouldn't give holy things to dogs or pearls to pigs, the Spirit will also help us to know with whom we are communicating so that we are just our message to our hearers. Work hard to ensure that God's name is glorified by our words and our neighbor's reputation and honor is defended. Our Lord shows us how important this is when he reminds us that everything we say will be judged by the Lord God on high. Jesus puts all that we say and do into the context of God's judging. In Matthew chapter 7, we read, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Our Lord is not saying that there is no justice in the kingdom of heaven. He makes it very clear in these words. He's not saying that it's wrong to punish wrongdoers. In fact, our Lord himself will do that. He isn't saying that it's wrong to protect the vulnerable. The Lord executes justice on the earth for the good of his church and all society through judges and the courts with evidence and witnesses. And we confess together that called into such a situation, we must speak the truth honestly. The ninth commandment, which speaks about bearing false witness, assumes a legal situation and a court setting where official judgments are pronounced. When Jesus says, judge not, he does not mean care not. These are not words to forbid your neighbor to to be concerned about you, nor are they words to defend your neighbor's freedom. But our Lord is aiming his words at us. He's teaching us what kind of attitude we must have when we judge, and how every judgment we make needs to reflect God's will 
and serve the well-being of our neighbor. Jesus teaches us about how we judge because he is concerned about our future. In his justice, God will use the measure we used against others to measure us. We will be held accountable for how we treat others. When Jesus says, judge not, in this context, it serves as a warning about judging in a way that is different than how God judges. In Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2, our Lord warns us against judging when it is not our task to judge, or judging without knowledge of the truth. Or as Paul says in Galatians 5, biting and devouring one another so that we are consumed. Jesus tells citizens of the kingdom of heaven not to judge hastily with contempt revenge and hatred in our own hearts so that we end up going beyond known facts and condemn people based on what we imagine to be their motives. Everything we say is subject to the evaluation, the judgment of our judge on high. And the Holy Spirit urges us to be merciful just as our Father in heaven is merciful. God wants us to see our neighbors as he sees them. And as we turn to the scriptures, we see that our judge on high is the creator of heaven and earth. He made us to live in a relationship of peace with him and peace with our neighbor. That's how we were created. He sent his son to remove the the barriers that we caused by our sinfulness to satisfy the demands of his holiness. With the Lord, we see there is always mercy in his justice. Although we are by nature enemies of God and deserve the same condemnation, our judge on high sent his own son to take on our human nature so that he might represent all believers before the Father, both as the substitute who was punished and as our head who obeyed all God's commandments for us and in our place. Our Lord Jesus explains that he did not come to condemn the world since it was already under God's curse, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The gospel is within our hearts. It it bubbles out of us when we speak. It affects our thoughts and our words. And the good news for us is that when God looks down upon his church, He doesn't treat us according to what we have done, but according to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Without diminishing the holiness or the justice of God in any way, the Holy Spirit leads God's children to recognize Christ's love, his his work, and then to show the same love. The Holy Spirit leads us to hate sin in ourselves as much as God hates sin, to hate that log in ourselves as much as God hates that pride and that selfishness and that desire, that inclination to show contempt to others. The Holy Spirit leads us to to fight against the lies of the devil just as our Father in heaven is fighting against them. 
to seek to promote the honor and reputation of our neighbor as much as God our Father who sent his own Son to die for sinners. Let me see the truth. The truth always serves your neighbor. That's the truth that God revealed to us in his Son. Even if the truth is that a person is living in sin and needs to go through a process of repentance that may take some time and require extra grace, the Holy Spirit still leads us to use our words to defend and promote our neighbor's honor and reputation in the long run. Since vengeance is the Lord's and he will judge and punish all those who persist in the rebellion against him, The Holy Spirit is leading, right now is leading us as citizens of the kingdom of heaven to leave that final judgment and condemnation with the Lord. Our Lord's teaching takes us off of God's throne of judgment so that we may be led by the Spirit to focus on remaining in Christ's love and desiring to save sinners from God's wrath. You think about it. If your neighbor's reputation is already ruined in God's eyes, that he already condemned the sinner who does not repent, you don't have to try and make it look worse by your words. It won't make you look any better in God's sight, and your unloving hostility will make it even harder for your unbelieving neighbor to repent from their sins. The church will not be accepted in grace by God because it can criticize the world. Why not rather use your words to show love to the sinner as a person, praying for his repentance, offering support through the hope of the gospel of forgiveness, being careful to treat others with dignity. And if your neighbor is a Christian and therefore holy in God's sight, Through Jesus Christ, you are contradicting God's judgment when you waste energy trying to point out how they are a greater sinner than you are. God didn't just forgive you that log in your eye. Christ's blood was just as sufficient to remove the speck from your neighbor's eye. The gospel of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ is as precious as expensive pearls or sacred food that was reserved for priests. It changes how we see ourselves. It changes how we see our neighbor. We we could see the big picture of God's work in the world and our place in his work as believers. And in the same way that no one would throw sacred food to the dogs or pearls to be trampled by pigs who end up attacking us. The Holy Spirit works the gospel in our hearts so that we might live according to the truth. The truth where we see God's love. The truth that helps others. What a blessing to have the log taken out of our own eye in Jesus Christ so that we can see the devil's lie and faithfully reflect 
the judge on high in our relationship to our neighbors. May God help us to show our concern for our neighbor's well-being with the use of our words. Amen.